The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Welcome, everybody. Uh, you know that I give you a moment to come into the room. Uh, this is how we roll. We got a lot of good value for you today. There's so much stuff coming your way that I think you've probably never heard in the way that it's about to be presented to you. Uh, welcome back, everybody, to Sell Better, uh, the daily sales show where we bring you daily sales advice to help you sell better. It's simple. It's easy. It's not complicated at all, right? I'm going to go ahead and launch this. Tell us who you are. What are you? That's what I want to know right now. Are you an SDR? Are you an AE? Uh, I imagine there's going to be a good group of people in here, very diverse. So go ahead and answer that question for me if you don't mind. Uh, you've tuned in today to get Discovery Tactics. I am your host, James Say What Sales Buckley, and I'm joined by Mr. Death to Fluff himself, Bilal Batrawi. And I say it right? Batrawi? Yes. Got it. You got yeah. it. The <laughs> name pronunciation is so important. Bilal. That's how you say it. Bilal. <laughs> That's my man right here. We're old friends. He's going to talk to you about discovery that you've probably never even thought of before. Mm -hmm. Uh, founder of Death to Fluff, this guy spreads love for salespeople, but takes away the, mm, what is it? The things that we say that don't matter. Let's just remove them from our vocabulary. And that's what this man does. Before we get started, if you're looking to level up in 2023, you know that we're here to help. Scan that QR code on your screen and check out our membership with instant access to all of our training and resources, or go learn more at sellbetter.xyz. Want to give a big shout out to our sponsor, ZoomInfo, making this episode possible. You can build a custom list right now, get your entire addressable market, your ICP, and actionable insights. So go ahead. I'm going to drop that link in the chat for you right now and go start building that list. That is a very important thing for you to remain productive, be reaching out to the right people. Not too surprising, man. Here, let's take a look at who's in the room. Look at this. All right. Shout out to the AEs. <laughs> Shout out to the SDRs that just want to learn too. That just want to get, get, get ready for the next step in their career. Love both of you. It's true. Uh, yo, let's, so let's talk to the group here. Uh, as far as the account executives go, that's the dominant group. Mad love to the SDRs coming in that are actually learning about discovery. You are mm -hmm. on your way to becoming the next stage in your evolution. Uh, but for the AEs in the room, what's something about discovery that you believe is the staple in every single call? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to talk about some more stuff that you guys can do. Right now, I'm going to tell you what you're going to get here. Critical discovery questions. This guy's going to put them in frames in ways that you've probably never seen before. Uh, top questions to convince financial buyers. We're going to ask you how you struggle with the financial buyers, difficult, uh, and then how to add substance to remove fluff from your closing process. The closing process does not need any of the garbage that we often put in it. Uh, so let's get right into it right here. You talked about social bidding. You say we all make social bids and you gave me this example. Break this down. How do we relate this to our yeah. process? So and let's let's set some context for the group. And I, I see people saying like uh, asking the right questions. And 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 this is what I was taught on discovery. I, this is what I was taught that was that was wrong. Which is that um, if you ask the right questions, you know, it's like a like a key to a bank vault, and the, and the vault just opens up, and and magically you'll get everything inside. And it's just not true. <laughs> like any AE knows that's not how it works at all. Everybody's different. Um, there's no such thing as a right question per se. There are wrong questions, right? There are bad questions that you could be asking that waste your time and waste the buyer's time. But right questions, debatable and very situational, very situational. So now let's go like, everybody should know what a bad question is. Like, tell me about your business. Like, you what should are your priorities? Right. You should know that before you get on the call with them. Sure. You should know something about them. But 
great questions, much harder, much harder to figure out. So now let's use psychology, right? We're, we're past the basics and now we need to get into the more advanced stuff. So there's a fellow by the name of John Gottman, famous um, researcher, and he was the first one to come up with a statistical model that proves whether people will stay married or not. And one of the foundations of that statistical model that could with 93% accuracy determine if a couple's going to stay married or not was this idea of social bidding. So an example of a social bid is I say, how are you? You say, fine. And then you don't ask me how I am. <laughs> not, not a great way to start a conversation. Bid rejected. <laughs> this, this sets the tone, right? That's why it's not a good way to start off. It sets the tone for the way the conversation will go so far. It's just one way. That's the, the signal you're picking up on. Yeah. Yep. And, and if you want to visualize social bids in your head, uh, think about an empty jar. Okay. You start every relationship as an empty jar with another person and you want to put something in the jar and you want them to put something in the jar and eventually the jar will fill up. And as it fills up, the relationship grows and builds. But if the other person's not putting in the jar and it's just you, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. So you, you need to bid and you need people to bid back. And that's how you do really deep discovery while also building a relationship with the person you're talking to. So uh, in order for them to bid back, we have to know the things that we as sellers are allowed to bid on. So you gave me a great list of things that people should consider when they come for their first social bid. Talk to me about how someone would use these. Yes. So, okay. Bidding was Gottman's way of thinking about it between a married couple, but now we want to think about it in a buyer-seller transactional lens. So what do buyers want to know? What do buyers expect sellers not to tell them? or make it difficult to find out if they're really serious about buying something. Mm. So the four categories that are like the primary ones, no matter what you sell or who you sell to, pricing, implementation, competition, and product shortcomings. These are the things that as a buyer, we're kind of expecting sellers not to really be honest, forthright, and tell us about these sort of things. You're going to be asking me about these somewhere, right? 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 These are the areas that I'm going to get gamed on. I'm going to have to ask about. It's not going to be easy. And now you flip that on its head and use those to social bid. That's what you're going to bid with. Yeah. I love this list of things that we might talk about that are our first initial bid. Let me know in the chat, yes or no. Have you been social bidding all this time, but you never put that label on it? When he told me about the Gottman Institute, I had never seen this research before, uh, but it makes sense. And we always draw this line, this parallel between married couples or dating couples and sales, right? It's a it's a very give-take relationship, but I think it, it can easily become one way. So yes or no in the chat, have you been social bidding all this time and didn't know it? So let's use it in a real example. How would this sound if you were going to use a social bidding style conversation? Right. So say we get on a call, we're past the niceties of both a little bit of rapport. And I'm going to say, hey, James, by the way, for today's call, I want to make sure that I understand a little bit more about what's going on with you. But listen, I'm not going to leave you guessing before the end of this call about pricing. All right. So if you're comfortable with it, I'd like to tell you about our pricing, but I just want to reserve that for in just a moment. Are you okay with that? And you're just sitting there going, wait, what? Did the seller just ask me if I'm okay if he shares pricing with me today on our first call? <laughs> what? I usually have to fight for that. <laughs> right. And like my, my buyers are kind of shocked. They're just like, uh, yeah, that would be great. I, I would appreciate that. And now here's what's going to happen. 
Later in the conversation, I'm going to go, hey, James, I know you're being nice and you haven't brought up pricing again, even though I did in the beginning of the call. You mind if we pause right now and I tell you a little bit more about that? And your jaw drops again. And you're like, whoa, he didn't forget. He was real. He was really going to do this. And I'm going to be smart about how I'm going to tell you pricing without shooting myself in the foot. I'm going to say something like this. James, just so you know, our pricing starts at 12000 a year. So there's no scenario on the planet where you're going to pay less than that. But typically for companies of your size, it's more between the range of 60 to 85,000. Okay. Now there's about four factors that go into that price fluctuating. And I can go over those in just a moment. But before I do, let me pause. What's your initial reaction now that I said some numbers? I like this question. What's your reaction to end on? And I think it kind of puts people in a state of trust with you. That's the whole idea is that you're being direct with me. And because you're being direct with me, I'm probably going to be relatively direct with you back. Uh, and that is where you earn the right to say things. Uh, so real quick, uh, before we go any further, I see some questions that are flying by in the chat. Put them in the Q&A so that we can answer the ones that are most relevant. Let's talk about the questions that you've earned the right to ask because you gave me some great stuff to fire off. And I think we struggle to get here when we have too much garbage in our language. Yeah. Yeah, like these are the things you want to know as a seller, right? Like who approves the budget? But you can't ask that. You can't just bluntly say that. And and so what we do is we're trained as sellers to walk on eggshells and say silly things like, um, who would feel left out in the next meeting if we didn't include them? Which I could tell you right now has never won a seller a deal. Like that's not how it works at all. Um, you know, trying to fish for budget and then them getting kind of frustrated because they know you're fishing for a number and they're thinking to themselves, well, the first who says a number loses, so I'm certainly not going to tell them what my budget is. I want to hear the pricing first. And now you're in this kind of friction back and forth. Like all of these things are the stuff that typically the conversation gets awkward or the buyer gets frustrated because they think to themselves, why can't you just tell me the price without me telling you about my budget? Which is normally what salespeople end up doing is they say things like, well, that depends on a few things or, hey, I, you know, I can't give you a price. That's my, the next person you have to talk to up in the food chain. They give you the price. Uh, mm -hmm. This is like a hide the ball. I want to talk about some potential responses because we talked about some good ones. So what if you say something uh, and they say back to you like, oh, I wasn't expecting it to be that much. How would you respond to that? When they say, what's the reaction? Oh, I wasn't expecting that. Right. So now I get to be super blunt and I can be like, well, what were you expecting? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, have you had good responses when you turn it around on them like that? They don't feel like they're, it's, it, you know, is it a, a because, because this is a, this is a critical moment in the relationship, right? Okay. I just made a bid. You never had to ask me about pricing. I unexpectedly delighted you by telling you about it. And I mentioned that there's a range to it and factors that go into it. So I didn't give you enough for you to uh, really understand the pricing, but I gave you at least somewhat so you can understand, is this expensive or cheap? Can I get this done myself? Or am I going to have to ask other people for this? You have some sort of concept with the basic numbers I threw out just to understand what's going on. And now I get to be really blunt and really direct with you because law of reciprocity, I put something in the jar. So now I'm going to ask you to put something in the jar. And one or two things are going to happen. You either are or you're not. And by by either way, it's good for me. Either way, because then I know something about who I'm dealing with. Yeah. Now, the significant vast majority of people will put something back in the jar. The significant vast majority are going to bid back. They will answer your questions because why? 
we have something called the law of reciprocity that's hardwired in our brain. When somebody does something unexpected for us, we feel the need to return in kind. Somebody holds the door open for you, that's a bid. You feel the need to say, thank you. Because it's awkward to walk by somebody holding the door for you and not acknowledge that they just did something nice. Awkward. It's downright rude. <laughs> right. Right. So we're going to use this psychology with the bidding. These bids allow us to be extremely blunt and direct with our buyer and get extremely candid answers from them. Yeah. Yeah. I think this opens up a door of communication that too many sales reps struggle to get to that point fast enough. Uh, I did notice a couple of things go by and we had some questions around whether or not pricing should even be discussed in a discovery call, true discovery call. Uh, but that's one of the things that you open up with in an initial call when the SDR has already done their thing and this is a call with an AE and this is the first time you're meeting with them, right? I just want to give that context real fast. Yeah. And again, and uh, you know, don't shoot yourself in the foot. You know, sure. a lot of people say my product's complicated. It could, it, the pricing could be a lot. I want to build a business case for them and charge them the most I can. Of course you do. You're, you know, you're paying on commissions like the rest of us. So you can, you can, you can kind of cushion yourself by giving them a floor, right? And not being very clear about the ceiling and letting them know there are factors that go into it. And you're, you're happy to go into those factors later on, yeah. but you just want to give them a starting point to say, look, if you thought this was going to be cheap, for example, it's not. So if you came in thinking you're going to pay 10K, I just told you the floor is 12. So get out of here, right? And that's not going to happen. Or if you came in here thinking, gosh, I, I wonder if I can get away with 25K on this. And I just told you most companies like yours pay 60 to 85. And your 25 that you had in your mind was miles off. Wait. Serious buyers have want to know pricing, okay? So don't feel like you're, you're, you're hurting your sales process by you know, trying to find out if you're dealing with a serious buyer. Let's get a quick feel in the room. Are you a discovery plus pricing conversation? Put a one in the chat. If you're talking pricing on discovery calls, put a two in the chat. If you think this is a bad practice, it doesn't work out for you. Let's see what the ratio is. I see a lot of ones. Everybody likes getting pricing out early. I think this is a DQ move too. We talk a lot about disqualifying and that's sort of like a happy coincidence of what you're doing. You're being transparent, but also uh, yes, a shout out to the price rangers out there. You know, I, I was guilty of the price range thing too. Uh, and that was good. That was good and helpful for me. Make sure you put your questions in the Q&A for Bilal. We will answer your questions if they come in and are relevant to what we're talking about. We like that. Uh, all right. Let's talk about this uh, concept of yours now that we've given you guys an actual script to go with. Uh, yes. Thank you. We will repeat things uh, when we get to the Q&A. Thank you very much. You said these people are not professional buyers. They don't know how to buy from us. And this is a big disconnect for a lot of people because we have a process that we go through to sell something, but these people don't instinctively know how to buy our product, what the best value of our product is, what questions they should be asking about that product. Uh, and you said that this is why it's important that salespeople do this. And I quoted you on this as tweetable stuff. Y'all go out there and tweet, <laughs> tweet Bilal right there. Yeah. What well, do you mean I when mean, you say show up and do your job? Why do we need to say this? I, you know, it took me a while to, to understand that, um, you know, there's no such thing as a professional buyer. It doesn't exist. You know, they don't go to school for it. They don't take classes on it. There's no training on it. So they literally wing it based on other things they've bought in the past, if they've bought something before, or asking others internally how they should get something done that they want. And that's scary. That, that I mean, you're talking about uh, something that is so critical to you 
such a critical component to the sale occurring and the other part is completely winging it. That's why you have to be the professional seller. So when you, when you can dictate about implementation, pricing, product shortcomings, and competition on the first call, and you're not, you know, the, the first to move has the advantage there, okay? So you, you get to bring up the pricing conversation on your terms. You get to bring up the competition on your terms, not be caught off guard, you know, in the third meeting when they say, oh, well, we're looking at X, Y, Z. So these why these categories that you're social bidding on are things that help you appear as the professional seller. Hey, I do this all day, James. So if you want, I can tell you a little bit more about our competition. Right. Because th this is like this is one call you're going to have this day, week, month. This is the like eighth call I'm going to have. You know? So today. <laughs> yeah, right. So who's burden? Who's the, who's the burden on? You or me? It's on me then to to bring the professionalism. I feel like there's a question hiding in there below. Would you just come out and say, is it on me to sell this or do you want to buy this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let us know in the chat. What do you think? Would you would you ask that question if you earn the right to do it? Uh, let me ask this question because you talked about some of the responses that you might be able to earn the right to talk about. And you know they might say, you know what? I don't have a budget for this. What's your response when people say, I don't have budget? Very common when they get to the discovery portion and the demo portion, mm -hmm. they say, I don't have budget. So what do you say when people say, I don't have it? Right. Now, now if I've been bidding and, they, and I brought up the price and now they say, I don't have budget, now I'm going to be very blunt. Well, how do you expect to get this done without the budget? What would need to happen? Yeah. Right? And, and I get to say, and who else needs to be involved since you don't have the budget? I'm assuming there might be another person you have in mind. Who is that person? I'm going to be very direct now, okay? And I'm pressure testing them. This is a test. I made a bid. Are you going to respond? Because buyers do, right? Real buyers, they have a project in mind. They have a timeline in mind. They have a budget in mind. They're not just they're not just like, you know, uh, shopping like window shopping. But people, but the people who aren't serious, those are the window shop. Those are the ones that don't give me a good answer now. They go, well, I don't know. I, I really will have to think about where we can find that budget. I'm like, well, nah, you know, that, that's not, that's not making a good business case here. <laughs> You're yeah. not helping yourself right, right now. This is why you said that people have to learn how to understand whether or not people are interested or just evaluating. And you do this by diffusing. And I loved this when you brought this up, you posted about it on LinkedIn. Talk about problem plus provoke. Cause I think it comes off the wrong way sometimes. Yeah. And, and actually, to that point about um, interested versus evaluating, pe people who are evaluating, they have a critical event. They have a timeline. They know that they're going to have to get the money to buy the thing. They people who are interested don't have any of that. Okay? So your social bids gives you a chance to find out, am I dealing with somebody who's just interested? That's fine if they are, but I'm not going to invest four, five, six meetings with them. Yeah. If they're evaluating, I'm going to put a lot of my time there. Right. A lot of my time there. Yeah. And you're going to identify that problem and then provoke the things that matter about the problem that you've just learned about. How would you go about doing this? How'd you learn this, this process here? Well, I think I, I suffered for years trying to handle objections and realizing that I'm getting caught flat footed on something I already knew was coming. Like them saying, we already have a vendor for that. I'm like, well, I kind of knew that. Why didn't I just start there? Yeah. So a uh, classic example of this was there was like a product that uh, a seller reached out to me. He's like, I'm having a problem that when I call up, they always tell me I have a vendor for that. And then they hang up on me. Sure. I'm like, so you're telling me 
most of the people you call have a vendor already? He's like, yeah, I would say more than 90% of the people I call already have a vendor. I'm like, why aren't you just leading with that? <laughs> like, why are you waiting for them to tell you that? You will never, you will never as a seller, lower your status with a buyer by sounding informed. Let me repeat that. You will never lower your status with a buyer as a seller by being informed. Okay. Also tweetable. So just state it. And in this case, it was just like, well, instead of asking him that, just say, I already know most offices have a system for handling their after hour calls. So you're just stating the obvious instead of pretending like they don't. Now the question becomes, how do you handle your high priority clients in a game of ping pong back and forth double call when they call in after hours? And he's like, oh, that's, yeah, that makes way more sense to <laughs> Like, I'll just leave with that. This is a great way to handle objections early and get proactive with that. Uh, and I like that that piece of it because objections are something that we get all the way through the sales cycle at every stage. And if you're reiterating the problem and then provoking more information, more context, more things about that problem that matter, I think we have a, a better chance of winning the deal. I want to ask a question really quick before we move on. Uh, and answer a couple questions in the Q&A here, but on a scale of one to three in the chat, how aggressive would you say that you are with your discovery questions and your process? That's what I want to know right now. Uh, so this is very similar, this provoke, this problem plus provoke is very similar to the challenger style sale, which you say sometimes can make people a little uncomfortable, but some people just aren't very, are, are very comfortable with it. Uh, how would we how would we relate these two and use them together to win a deal? Uh, and then we'll look at some of these results uh, for what we're getting here. Yeah. And look, I mean, uh, everybody's personality type is a little bit different. Their comfort level is a little bit different. But but I will tell you this, uh, being having worked with elite sellers, elite practitioners of this profession and, and, and see how they are, um, they have a different face when they're in sales mode when they're in just what they're normally doing. Okay. They just have, they, they, they have a different face. They, they, the professionalism comes out in a different way. The goofiness might not be there as much. They are very direct. And I would say being direct is not being rude when you're doing it using this psychology. So maybe before it felt rude when you weren't social bidding, but I'm not telling you to be direct on, on its own. I'm not like that. I would find that very rude if somebody was just direct with me right off the cuffs, right? That's not, that's not okay. But when we're putting all of this together, so we're stating the obvious, we're bidding, we're going to bring up the stuff that they care about without them having to ask. That gives us the license to then be very direct and you will feel it's much more comfortable and far less awkward when you do it in that manner. There's a preface to it. Yeah, and I think we earn that by talking to people like they're human beings, but also being a, a little bit forward with our reason, our value, right? We have to be able to articulate our value in a way that matters to them, not to us, right? That's the way, that's the way I'm interpreting what you're saying. I'm going to launch this question now because we're going to give you some strategies to get the most important people in your deal moving. Do you struggle with the financial buyer more than any other stakeholder? I believe this is my toughest stakeholder is the financial buyer. I can get lots of people to say yes to me. Woo! I'll be collecting the yeses, right? They're good. I'll give them, take them. Hey, give me the yes. But getting my bill paid, that is sometimes complicated. 
So I want to know, are you like me? Do you feel that that vibe? Talk to me about some financial strategies that you've come up with for these particular buyers, Bilal. Yeah, I think, look, at, and it, it, it's the same for me. So don't think I'm in a different camp or something like that. I think every every seller is going to face that at some point. What you want when it comes to dealing with a financial buyer is you want leverage, okay? Now, how are we going to get leverage over this strategic financial person who does not typically have a vested interest in the outcome of the product, right? It's a different team, a different department buying it, but they somehow got their head in it. You know, they, they somehow got their, their grubby fingers involved in it. And you're like, dang it, I don't want to deal with this. So you want a critical event. This is really, really key. What is driving this? Because sellers cannot create urgency. If you've been told this, you were lied to, you know, uh, it's not true. It's a complete lie. Sellers cannot create urgency. They can only catalyze. If it exists, you can work with it, but you cannot be the source of its creation. You cannot with armed with nothing but a computer and a, in a, in an internet connection and a phone create urgency in a company or entity that you've never, you know, never visited, never seen, never been. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. So it's really important in your discovery to figure out what the critical events, what are critical events, things like the current vendor's contract ending. That's a classic one. They're doing some kind of launch, product launch, go to market launch, something. Uh, they're doing rebranding. They're doing, you know, there's some sort of business initiative that didn't start from you. It came from a board member. It came from the, you know, executives and that project, that initiative. It has a timeline to it. It has expectations around it. And you're going to align what you're selling to that. So when you get to that financial buyer, that's your leverage. When they start trying to push back and negotiating, you know that there's a critical event involved in all of this. And whether they want to or not, it's coming. It's impending. And you get to be really like a stickler back with them because that's your leverage. Well, we've got a lot of tactical things in here about how you guys can get a little bit more... Uh, uh assertive with your discovery, but not quite aggressive. Let's answer a couple of questions here. This one comes from Manuel. Uh, can you repeat what you said about giving pricing? Are you giving an ACV or monthly or per user price? I think what you said was different, right? What, what did you say? Yeah, I was giving like annual. Right. It just depends what you sell. So if you sell something that is more, more commonly talked about in terms of units or in terms of seats or in terms of this, change it up. Um, I prefer because all the SaaS products I sold were annual upfront contracts to just mention the annual upfront price. Yeah, I think that's pretty typical. It looks like a lot of folks that voted struggle with that financial buyer. So latch on to that critical event. That's the thing that's going to get your deals over the finish line faster. I appreciate everybody that took part in that question there. Uh, this one comes from John. Uh, it says, how do you cater your discovery slash conversation when selling to different levels, C-level, influencer, stakeholder, are those, are those conversations different? Does that flow work for everybody? No. If you've got a group on the call, all right, the only person you should be social bidding with is the person with the most power. Uh, so, so what happens when you schedule a group call, but then that person with the power doesn't show up? What do you do? Well, that's a sign already. That's a sign. And I, that would be my first thing to, to bid on. I'd be like, so-and-so didn't show up and understand that this was supposed to be their call right. to really see this. Um, how, how, how would you guys like me to proceed? How does this work? That's my first bid. 
I'm like, hey, this isn't this we're already off we're already off the plan. Yeah. We're already off the plan. What do you want yeah. me to do? Yeah. Uh this is a good way to judge whether or not you're gonna spend additional resources and time in this deal, or whether it should even be a deal that's in your pipeline in the first place right now, right? Uh so man, how can people connect with you? Where can they follow you? What would they learn if they did that? I'm on LinkedIn all day, guys. Daily sales tips on LinkedIn. So hit that up. And uh, I've been posting out for almost three years. So there's a ton of content and I always get sellers asking me about stuff, um, old posts. I've got people that have got like 30, 40 posts of mine saved and, they, and it's like overwhelming for them. So I'm starting a new content hub. So it's um uh, uh, I'm taking off my Substack newsletter because that wasn't really the best place for it. Sure. It's nas.io slash death to fluff. So nas.io slash death to fluff. I'm going to put all my content in there. So you can access all the good stuff for free. This guy's amazing. You want to go learn from him. Every time he puts something out there, my alert on LinkedIn lets me know and I go check it out and I try to do that stuff. Uh, we had a conversation getting leading up to this call and then I scheduled a meeting using a similar flow that he gave me. So go check him out. Uh, he just put the link in the chat right there. I want to thank you guys for coming out, investing in yourself. We will see you guys tomorrow. No, tomorrow and Friday, nothing. Wrap up the quarter, yo make this happen pull them over the finish line and wrap it up strong we'll see you guys next week and we'll kick off the next quarter strong let's do this uh Bilal, thank you so much for coming and being a part of the show uh, and sharing your wisdom today thank you everybody bye everyone <laughs>